that was the first and terrible shock that we had, the collapse of the supply chain. We literally had to sleep in the warehouses to be ready for the next morning. Uh, but I think it's that humanitarian spirit and the commitment of the staff that have really gotten us through the last 18 months. I get a satisfaction when I know that this aid, it's helping the people who's, you know, in need. You're listening to The Lid Is On with me, Connor Lennon, at International Humanitarian City, or IHC, the largest humanitarian hub in the world. Whenever a natural disaster occurs, the UN system springs into action to send emergency relief, from food to shelter and medical supplies, to send to those in need. There's a good chance that those supplies will be sent from here, a sprawling 135,000 square metre complex of warehouses near Dubai's Al Maktoum airport, from where containers can be loaded into planes and be in the air within 10 minutes. Dubai was chosen as the location of IHC because it's close to around two-thirds of the global population who can be reached relatively easily via sea or air. It's also close to the manufacturers of emergency and medical supplies, most of whom are based in India, Pakistan, China or Malaysia. As I toured the warehouses, I saw everything from tents to clothing, water and sanitation equipment and even a mobile TV studio. But as Giuseppe Saba, the CEO of IHC, told me, one emergency in particular continues to dominate operations. We are still responding largely to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, last year, we responded largely out of $130 million of stocks dispatched. Two-thirds were dedicated to the COVID-19 pandemic assistance. When the pandemic hit, how difficult was it to cope? I believe that everybody remembers that uh, quite a lot of aircrafts were grounded immediately. Nobody was flying anymore. Just some cargo aircrafts were flying around the world. Now, this is where uh, not only the UN system, but uh, everybody uh, is going back to request assistance uh, by using military assets. What I can tell you is that uh, the government of uh, UAE made available immediately a couple of military aircrafts uh, were available to work for the program and uh, flying between different types. So that was the first and terrible, let me say, shock that we had, the collapse of the supply chain. Giuseppe Saba, the CEO of International Humanitarian City, remembering the darkest days of the pandemic when it was very difficult to move essential supplies around the world, a situation that, thankfully, has drastically improved since then. Unsurprisingly, the World Health Organization has taken up way more space since the beginning of the pandemic. I visited the 20,000 square metres of temperature-controlled WHO storage space with Robert Blanchard, the team lead for operational support and logistics. He told me that the growth of the health agency's warehouses has been nothing less than exponential. So we're roughly 10 times the size that we were in 2018, and the dollar value of supplies held has grown from 5 million to up to 70 million at any given time. Uh, we've basically completed more shipments to more countries across more regions than we ever have before. In fact, in 18 months, we've done twice the output of the previous five years combined. For us, it began in uh, February of 2020, 
and we began dispatching personal protective equipment that was here in Dubai for Ebola preparedness, but then was used to respond to COVID. And then the demand just took off from there. Uh, we found ourselves distributing laboratory supplies, uh, diagnostic supplies, and of course additional PPE all around the world. The key countries are the, those that are closest to us, right? They're the ones that are fastest uh, or the, the easiest for us to respond to in terms of time. Uh, but we've been able to deliver supplies across all WHO regions. So that includes South America all the way to the Western Pacific. Uh, the, the priority for us is always those countries that struggle uh, to cope with their current health emergencies, those that are uh, experiencing conflict, countries like Yemen, uh, Syria, um, countries like Sudan that have resource constraints or challenges with uh, the supply chain. All of those countries fall into the categories of, of those that we would consider priorities for us. Uh, over the last two years, everybody's been a priority. But it's striking that in terms of the volume uh, and the, the dollar value of the stock that's been going out, the amount that's been going to Yemen, it's considerably higher. That's right. There's limited options for Yemen in terms of their supply chain. So because there are no commercial carriers servicing Sana and the port of Hodeida is closed, it's very difficult to reach the northern part of the country. So by pre-positioning the supplies here, we can consolidate the goods and organize shipments to Hodeida by sea, and then it's trucked overland to the capital where our WHO office is. So that's one of the reasons why they used Dubai as a staging area for their supplies, to cut down costs internationally for suppliers to store them. We've been able to store them here for them at no cost and then transport them when needed. You're quite a small team. There's only, what, 10 of you? for such a huge space. It seems very small. How have you managed to get through it? Have you been working 24-7? <laughs> I, you know, I wish I had an answer. Uh, we have a really dedicated team. Uh, the team was so committed at, during the curfew period here in the UAE, we literally had to sleep in the warehouses to be ready for the next morning so that we could load trucks and get them off to the airports on time. So it's, it's been a tremendous struggle. Uh, but I think it's that humanitarian spirit and the commitment of the staff that have really gotten us through the last 18 months. Robert Blanchard of the World Health Organization in the agency's busy warehouses where supplies were being prepared for airlift to Yemen. Vivek Parameshwaram has spent 18 years as warehouse manager for the UN Humanitarian Response Depot, which stores material for UN agencies and NGO partners. He too has seen a marked increase in activity since the beginning of 2020. After the COVID, the, the pandemic started, I can tell you the whole day, almost every day we have busy, busy operations. But earlier, yes, of course, it was uh, mainly when there is a disaster somewhere around the world. That's the time we get really busy. But these days, always busy. Every year we are growing in terms of uh, the facility, the size, the kind of items that we store, the kind of responses that we do, we are growing. How has that made life for you and your team? As we are the frontline responders, uh, to emergency responses and this during especially during this pandemic we didn't have a chance to take a break from work for last two years after the pandemic has started we're continuously working we never stopped coming to work the warehouse facility is far away from the main city area so some of them the staff is staying far away from our facility so they used to do this uh, sharing uh, taxi and all they used to come in the morning in uh, carpooling but they had to stop at some stage and they had to travel themselves. They had to find their own transport 
and those kind of difficulties they had. I like the work what I'm doing. I know that there's a cost for, the, for, the, for what I do, you know. It's not just like I work for the salary. It's not that I get a satisfaction when I know that this aid, it's helping the people who's, you know, in need. Vivek Parameshwaran, warehouse manager for the UN Humanitarian Response Depot, who, like many of his colleagues, has been motivated to go beyond the call of duty to make sure that essential, life-saving supplies get to those who need them. Those I spoke to at IHC think that, in the short-medium term, the pandemic will continue to be a major focus. But what happens when the next global emergency hits? Giuseppe Saber is convinced that a complete rethink of the way emergency supplies are pre-positioned, or in other words, strategically located in warehouse hubs such as IHC, is essential in order to be better prepared for the next pandemic. If you look worldwide, there is the existence of at least 11 humanitarian hubs uh, located in 11 different countries which can make the difference for responding to a so large-scale emergency such as the pandemics. Getting into a tailoring of the stocks to be prepositioned within those humanitarian apps, this is an investment that we should do because the costs are not huge costs for some protection equipment, even there is no an expiring date and so on. So, this is something that we have to reflect. All of us, as uh, humanitarian workers, we need to look uh, very carefully into this and uh, to start prepositioning the humanitarian aid across uh, those uh, 11 countries, those 11 humanitarian apps. Otherwise, we risk to go again into, into troubles. Giuseppe Saba, the CEO of International Humanitarian City, looking ahead to the next global emergency. You've been listening to The Lid Is On from Dubai with me, Connor Lennon. Thanks to Sarah Shatilla and the rest of the UN country team for their help with this episode. Don't forget to subscribe and download our UN News app for audio, video and news stories with a UN angle.